Before we get started on today's episode, if you're not familiar with Mark Helfold's story or with scapular dyskinesis, I'd highly recommend clicking on the links in the podcast description so you can be up to date before you hear the rest of the podcast. Thanks. Today's patient is six foot four, 195 pound Mark Helfoltz. After being selected with the number one pick in the 2017 NBA draft, Mark Helfoltz became a household name after being featured in episode three, season one of this podcast. Today, we're discussing the mystery that is Mark Hell's right shoulder. I'm Ben Davis, faculty physician at Swedish First Hill Family Medicine Residency. This is Alex Bernadette, second year resident, Swedish First Hill. And I'm Jeremy Johnson. I'm a sports medicine physician from the Polyclinic in Seattle, Washington. And this is The Break. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Markel had a long preseason course of being scrutinized both online, during games, by Jeff Van Gundy for his modified free throw form, which was first noted at the end of September. It was reported in the beginning of October that he received a cortisone injection into his shoulder to help fix this issue. It wasn't until three weeks later in the season that the 76ers benched Markel for a sore shoulder and at that time, an undiagnosed right shoulder problem. So Jeremy, if Markel walks into your clinic with this kind of story, what, what are your initial thoughts? What are you thinking when you, when you meet this, uh, this player with this type of history? So he clearly has poor control of his shoulder. We actually call this the shoulder girdle. And the reason why that is, is that it's the anatomy of the shoulder allows a ton of range of motion. In fact, it has the most range of motion of any joint. Many people liken the anatomy of the ball and socket to be like a golf ball and a golf tee. So very, very unstable inherently. And to kind of accommodate for that instability, our body has kind of different layers of things that protect the joint itself. First, there's a labrum, and then there's ligaments that extend from that labrum. Then there's the rotator cuff, which we've all heard about. And its job actually is not really to rotate the shoulder. Its its job is to basically pull that ball directly into the socket. So to shoot a ball or to um, shoot a basket or a free throw, it requires a very complicated movement of the entire upper extremity. And he is accommodating by just starting with the ball way above his shoulder and just throwing it up there. It looks, it looks horrible. It really is. It's an awful, awful shot. So what people are talking about, the scapular dyskinesis or dyskinesia is another way to say it. All that is really a fancy way of saying is that shoulder blade is not moving normally. So the shoulder blade just hangs on the back and it hangs on the back by really four muscles And those muscles control the position of the shoulder blade. 
I always talk to patients about this. The reason why those muscles are super important is that if the shoulder blade is not held in the right position, it puts the shoulder joint and the rotator cuff at a disadvantage mechanically. It's like holding a big, heavy pot of water, but at the end of the handle. You have to do a ton more work if that shoulder blade is not held in the right position. So scapular dyskinesis, what's happening is that he doesn't have the strength in the muscles around his shoulder blade to keep it in the right position. And therefore, he's adjusting his movements to to hold his arm in a position that is stable, but does not look very good. To diagnose this scapular dyskinesis or when Markel's in your clinic, what kind of physical exam maneuvers are you looking at? What kind of motions are you taking him through? So first, I'd want to look at the shoulder joint itself. So again, that's kind of away from the shoulder blade. And I'd look at the, all of the range of motion, make sure that he has normal movement around the shoulder. And then specifically to look at the shoulder blade, I'm going to have the patient stand in front of me. I'm going to have his arms out at about 30 degrees, and I'm going to watch him move through a full plane of motion. And what I will see is once his arms go past 90 degrees or parallel with the floor, what I should see is that both triangles that make up the shoulder blade should rotate at about the same rate and should stay against the back. Oftentimes what we see in dyskinesis or uh, dyskinesia is that the inside of that shoulder blade, the the side that's closer to the midline, is going to wing out. Now there's a couple different reasons for this. Usually it's imbalances in muscles or weaknesses, but also there can be pathologic issues where someone has a nerve injury or those type of things. I think for Fultz, it's not a um, nerve injury. It's, it's more just kind of weakness. And um, it's because those muscles aren't often worked. So when people are working out, when they're lifting weights, they're not usually working out those muscles between their shoulder blades because those require very small weight. And most folks are not interested in lifting very small weights. And to save our listeners some time, if you Google image Markel Foltz topless, you will not find a picture of his scapulas. So to save you the trouble, do not Google image that. But speaking of imaging, is there any type of imaging that you would consider helpful in diagnosing uh, this condition? So in regards to the, the muscles around the shoulder blade itself, I wouldn't do any imaging, but I would look at the rotator cuff and the muscles around the shoulder joint. And the reason is, is that oftentimes scapular dyskinesis is a reflection of problems with the shoulder joint and the shoulder trying to accommodate for pain that's going on at the shoulder joint. So my assumption is that his issue is actually with either a bursitis or what we call a shoulder impingement, where the rotator cuff isn't very strong and the, and the movement of the, um, the joint is not very fluid. That causes the person to try to avoid pain, and how they avoid pain is they move their shoulder blade up. So it's the telltale sign is that when they lift up their arms, it doesn't look symmetric between the two arms, the way that they lift up. I wish I could show a video of us, but we're on podcast here. So um, it's very um, specific. So if you Google or YouTube kind of scapular dyskinesis, you'll see how people move to accommodate to really avoid pain. That's what they're doing. We'll have some of those links for you in the description box. As an interesting tidbit, there's a very recent paper that came out about screening athletes for scapular dyskinesis. And the long story short of the paper is that you can screen athletes for this 
but it's not predictive of who's going to have pain. So what I'm trying to say is that if you see scapular dyskinesis in an athlete or in a patient and they don't have pain, it's actually not predictive of they're going to, if they're going to develop pain. So I think it's important to look at patients or players if they have pain and issues, then it needs to be addressed. But if they don't have any issues, uh, you don't need to fix it. God, I love those tidbits. <laughs> <laughs> but with regards to treatment, what are some of the mainstays? So again, we cannot disconnect the rotator cuff from the muscles around the shoulder blade. So pretty much all patients with this issue, I'm having them strengthen their rotator cuff. I'm also having them strengthen the muscles around the shoulder blade. Now, when we hear strength, oftentimes we think about power, and these muscles are not power muscles. These are stability muscles. So what that means is that when you're doing the exercises for them, you have to be very specific in terms of the movements. So I usually want this to be directed by a physical therapist or an athletic trainer. I'm not going to describe the exercises specifically, but basically they're working on the control and strength and endurance of the rotator cuff and what's called the parascapular muscles or the muscles around the shoulder blade. So this has been going on for months and months and months, and a lot of people have been speculating. What is the timeline for somebody to get back to where they were before? Think about learning any new skill. So if you're learning a new instrument or um, a new move in, in ballet or dance. It's a very specific coordinated movement of multiple joints moving together. And that takes a long time to learn. And so specifically, I usually tell people it's going to take four to six months of regular exercises, really working on the control, working on your form, working on the endurance of those muscles so that they're working together in a functional way. So if we're talking about learning a new instrument, that we're going on three years since I've been trying to learn the guitar. So this could be up to three years is what you're telling me. He's got to put the work into it. If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. You sound like my mom right now. <laughs> <laughs> Last piece. A lot of people have advice for Markel telling him what he should or shouldn't do and what his form should be. Do you have any advice for Markel moving forward? Well, one of the best free throw shooters in NBA history is Rick Barry. He shoots underhand. I'd say he should try it out. The Break is produced by Ben Davis. Special thank you to Jeremy Johnson and Alex Bernadette for joining me today. For more content, check out our sister podcast, Grayscale, G-R-E-Y, on the iTunes stores or wherever else you get your podcasts.